Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. I want to talk to you today about the truth about forgiveness. Now, I'm not going to cover every aspect of forgiveness because we only have a short time. Although I could preach for three hours, there's no problem. You may not be able to sit for three hours. But I'm going to show you something about forgiveness that is at the core of the revelation of forgiveness. You get this right, the rest will fall into place. The, the practicalities of how we forgive and all that is for another time. But this message is an amazing message and it's the core of forgiveness. You've got to get this to get anything else. And, and the sad reality is that many people, when they teach on forgiveness, miss what's at the heart of forgiveness, the power behind forgiveness. See, the mechanisms of, of, of all the practicalities of forgiveness make no sense unless you understand the power of forgiveness and where it flows from. This is an amazing passage. So I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 18, verse 22. Because you're seasoned in the word, I'm going to read out the whole story without you falling asleep. And then we're going to break it down. Are you ready? Yeah. This is amazing. You may never have read it like this. Uh, so Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall, I, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. So you know, just before this story, Jesus had talked to the disciples about the power of unity. When two or three gather together, I'm there in the midst. If two or more agree, it shall be done. The incredible power when people come together in unity. And Peter's heard this story and he thinks, flip. I can't even get along with myself. <laughs> and you want me to get along with people so the blessing would flow? And, and, and there's all this, all this agitation in my life and conflict and relationships. And it's almost Christmas time and I'm thinking about who I'm going to have to invite to my Christmas party and who's going to be left behind, who's going to sit where, who I'm going to upset because I didn't buy them a good enough present, didn't buy them a present at all. And Peter said, Lord, how often should I forgive? You're telling me that, that the kingdom flows through through unity, but I'm having trouble doing relationships. Can anyone relate to that? Anyone? Yeah, I can. By the way, if you're buying me a Christmas present, no. <laughs> Jesus said, I do not say to you, Peter, seven times, but I say 70 times seven. Ouch. In other words, your type of forgiveness doesn't work. It ain't going to work. Forget it. Don't bother. So Jesus tells Peter what the kingdom of God is truly like when it comes to walking in love and forgiveness. And he said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. It's a lot of cash. Just in case you're wondering, it's about $20, million, $20 billion, sorry. 20 billion? Yeah, 20 billion. I worked it out in ounces of gold. It's a whole lot. It's amazing. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife, his children, his Maserati, his shares, and the payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Listen to the language and don't miss what Jesus is saying. Most people read this and they butcher it because they don't see what's being said. 
The master of that servant was moved with compassion and he released him and forgave him the debt. So the servant went out, found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, three and a half months' wage, approximately 25,000. So he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. His servant fell down at his feet and begged him, Have patience with me and I will pay you all. But he would not. And he went and threw him in prison until he would pay the debt. It's hard to pay a debt when you're in prison, by the way. There's no Centrelink in prison. There's no opportunities for success. There's not a whole lot of opportunity in prison, just by the way. Is there? No. You can't get ahead in prison. So when his fellow servants saw what he'd done, they were grieved. They told their master all that had been done. The master called him and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me for compassion. Should you not also have compassion on your servant, just as I had compassion on you? So the master was angry, delivered him to the torturers, till he would pay all that was due him. So will my heavenly father... Do to you if to each of you, sorry, do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. Well, well, well. So let's go back to verse 23. You ready? Yes? yes? Get ready. Take notes. Listen. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, 12 million ounces of gold, $20 billion. That's a lot of money to owe somebody. Now look at the, what the words say in verse 29, so 25. But he was not able to pay. Should underline that. His master, but as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children. And all that he had, and that payment would be made. He was not able to pay. He was not able to pay. Point number one, when it comes to forgiveness. Forgiveness starts with the revelation of grace. Write that down. When it comes to forgiveness, forgiveness begins with the revelation of grace. I'm going to teach you today. You'll be able to nail forgiveness if you listen and are attentive and get the revelation that God has to give you. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for revelation today. Amen? Amen. Welcome to those listening on live stream and YouTube. God's got a word for you today as well. I've heard this text used and others associated with this text to say the following. If you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. And if you are not forgiven, you will go to hell. And nobody is worth going to hell for, so you better forgive. Great preachers, mighty preachers, preachers that are heard all around the world declare this as the truth from the Lord Jesus Christ who said, if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you and you will go to hell. There's the good news. Forgiveness starts with a revelation of grace. And as you open up the word of God and you begin to read the teaching of Jesus about forgiveness, you need to understand how to read 
the teachings of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus. Understand this, that Jesus lived under the law. Did you hear that? He lived at the crossroads between two covenants, the old and the new. He came under the law. Galatians 4, 4 says, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we would receive the full rights of a, of a son. So Jesus came to those that were under the law. He came under the law himself. And his purpose was to get them out of the law. So as you read the Gospels, you've got to read with this concept that Jesus is preaching to people who are under the law. He would say, what did Moses say when the Pharisees would come against him? Well, you go and do as Moses said. He preached like that. He preached the law for a reason. The Bible says the law is preached so every mouth would be silenced and the whole world will be held guilty. That we would all say, I'm a sinner. I can't do it. I need somebody to save me. Help is the word that should come as you read the teachings of Jesus. Are you hearing this? The teachers of the law deluded the law and they removed the key to knowledge. So they came and instead of doing their job and teaching the people and getting them ready for the Messiah, they deluded the law and they removed the key of knowledge. So when Jesus came, they didn't see him as the Messiah, the Savior. They were so drenched in a mindset of law. If you don't forgive, God won't forgive. So Jesus had to do the work of the teachers of the law because they didn't do a good job. They didn't preach the law that makes everyone held accountable, everyone guilty, everyone crushed under the perfection that the law demands. Be perfect as I am perfect. So we read the Beatitudes as some sort of uh, inspiration for us to live by. I hear preachers preach on the Beatitudes. Do you not understand? That was law on steroids. Be perfect as I am perfect. All the best, Charlie. I, can't, I couldn't even get out the door. So we read this passage about forgiveness and we need to understand what is it that Jesus is saying about love and forgiveness. Jesus was the greatest law preacher that ever lived. Write that one down. We say, read the red. Have you heard that saying? Read the red letters. Well, I've got something to say about that. Everything that Jesus said was true, but not everything that Jesus said was for you. Did you hear that? Everything that Jesus said was true, but not everything that Jesus said was for you. There are examples in the Gospels of profound grace and examples of profound harshness of the law. And we gulp it all down. It's like going into the laundry where there's a bottle of water and next to it is a bottle of metho. And we drink them both. So we filter everything through the finished work of the cross. We must do that 
as we read this passage of Scripture. The cross is the dividing line of history. And so many preachers, so many prophets have no comprehension about the old and the new. If you look in the tabernacle, there is the golden lampstand. And that itself is a picture to us. The central shaft, Jesus being the vine. We are the branches, three branches on either side. And you know, as you study that lamp, that there are 39 uh, pictures or parts of a flower on the left side and 27 on the right. Got it right? Making 66 books of the Bible with Jesus in the middle. He, he is the middle pillar between the old and the new. He, he's the one that fulfills the old and leads us into the new. He is the central branch between two covenants. And when we read what Jesus says, we must read it through the lens of grace. You can't forgive. How often? Seven times? Jesus said no. Seventy times seven. I'm about to introduce you to something that is way beyond your natural ability. You will fail. And if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. Unless you... Unless you Hook into my life and love and forgiveness, you will fail. Before the cross, let's have a look at this. It said, forgive and you will be forgiven. After the cross, it says, forgive as Christ has forgiven you. Do you see the difference? Before the cross, if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. After the cross is because God has forgiven you. Now you can forgive. Which would you rather live under? Well, see, a lot of Christians live under the first premise. If you do good, God will do good. If you obey, God will bless. No, no, the reason I'm blessed is because Jesus obeyed and I'm in him. None of the promises and the blessings of God come about because I'm, I nail it, I'm obedient. It comes about because Jesus nailed it and was obedient Amen. and I'm in him. And because I'm in him, I begin to take on his obedient lifestyle. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. That's the old covenant. It's like it's just got to filter, re reset our minds. So have a look at this, the next slide. It says, in the Old Testament, forgiveness starts with us. Sorry, the old covenant. In the new covenant, forgiveness begins with God. We cannot read this passage in Matthew 18 without understanding the whole concept of forgiveness. It is a work of grace. Are you getting that? As I said, the Sermon on the Mount says, you better be perfect. You better get it right. You better never make a mistake. In Colossians, it says, you are perfect, complete, free from accusation. Hebrews 10 tells us, by one sacrifice, he's made you perfect. The old covenant says, if you don't forgive, God won't forgive. It's not good news. It's not good news to think that my forgiveness is reliant upon me being able to forgive everyone in my life. Let me tell you, there will be somebody right now that you haven't forgiven properly. And if not, just give it a day. Somebody's going to offend you, upset you, cut you off. Something, you are either in the process of about to go into conflict, going through conflict, or coming out of conflict. There'll be somewhere that you're going to have to exercise and deal with forgiveness. And if it's true that if we don't forgive, God doesn't forgive us, I, I, I dare to say that heaven's going to be empty. Yeah. 
There's not many going home. You know that song, there's a whole lot of people going home. Well, not according to the old covenant. There's a whole lot of people going to hell. Are you getting this? I'm glad you are. Because we can't go forward unless we get this right. See, Jesus came to reveal grace, but the self-righteous would not accept it. They didn't see their need. I don't need, I don't need to be forgiven. So Jesus gave them the law in bucket loads. But that wasn't his heart. His ultimate goal was to show that he's a God of grace. He's a God that leaves the 99 to save the one. He's a God that initiates, that comes looking for us. But see, the self-righteous can't be saved because they're saving themselves through their own good works. Some people say that God forgives in accordance with our behaviour. And it's just not true. Have a look at this scripture as we finish this point. In him. Say in him. So that's not in you. It's in him. That means you in him. That's a position, right? In him. We have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance or equal to the measure of the riches of God's grace. We have total forgiveness because of his total grace. Not in accordance with the riches of your works, but in the riches of his kindness and his grace. Let's get this thing right before we move forward. You will never be able to flow in forgiveness until you understand the revelation of the grace of his forgiveness. You owed a debt you could never, ever, ever pay. $20 billion for most people is going to be hard to conjure up. And the fact that he gave his wife, his dog, his cat, his Ferrari, Maserati, I said, all those things, it didn't even do a dent on the payment. See, because in the old covenant, the wrath, of God was greater than the sacrifice. Did you hear that? So every sacrifice in the old covenant never exceeded the wrath of God for the payment of sin. Only Jesus was, he was the only one that, that consumed the wrath of God. Justice was paid because of him. We can walk in forgiveness because we truly have been forgiven a debt that we could never pay. Give God a hand for that. I'm going to heaven, I'm loved and forgiven, not because of my obedience, but my faith in Jesus Christ. That's why I'm going to heaven. That's why I'm a beloved son. That's why I'm forgiven, because of Jesus. Point number two, forgiveness must be received before it can be, for, uh, be given. Forgiveness must be received before it can be given. Look at verse 26. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience. Isn't it interesting? See, this is where people miss it. He's asking for time, not for mercy. Have patience with me and I will pay you all. Yeah, right. How much time do you need? How many generations? How many lifetimes would you like? See, he actually didn't understand the, the concept of how much he owed. And this is a problem. When you get born again without a true understanding of what you've been delivered from, without the understanding of grace, you're going to end up in prison. So he says, have patience. I'd say help. Please clear the debt. 
And I will pay you all. But the master of the servant was moved with what? Compassion. He released him and forgave him. The master's operating on one level. The servant's operating on another level. The master's operating out of compassion and grace. The servant's receiving justice, but he thinks it's about him and not about God. You weren't born again because of anything to do with how good you are. All of us are sinful. All of us are helpless and destitute and and born to go to hell until Jesus shows up and delivered us. The man leaves the king's presence legally free, but his heart is bound and religious and debt conscious. That's called religion. Born again believers operating out of a religious mindset and not a grace mindset. No wonder the church has become ugly in some quarters. He tries to pay and he ends up in prison, bound, tormented, judgmental. It's interesting that that's where John the Baptist ends up. John is a picture. He's a godly man, but he's been a picture of the law. The law will always end up in prison. That's where he ended up. Galatians 3.22 says the whole world is a prisoner to sin. But when faith came, we who were kept in custody under the law... We were shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us out to Christ so we'd be justified by faith. In other words, before Jesus came, all humanity was in a prison waiting for Jesus to come so we would put our faith in his love and grace and get out of our prison. Without this revelation of the mercy and the kindness of God, we will never grasp the power of forgiveness. That's where it's rooted. It's rooted in this revelation of my immense debt that I could never pay. And one of the challenges for the body of Christ today is people get born again and don't understand what they've been born again from. You were sinful. You were. You were disgusting. You were dirty before God. You were broken, rebellious. And you had no way to get out of your prison. And the master had compassion on you and said, you know what? I'm going to clear the debt. I'm going to call you in. You can stay in my home. How could we leave that state and go out and end up in a prison and be so judgmental and angry and cynical, condemning, picky, Someone does you a little wrong and you want to jump down their throat. What has happened? I'm glad you ask. Verse 28. My third point is forgiveness flows from the love of God. But that servant went out. Where did he went out from? Went out from where? Where did he go out from? Anyone know? From the presence of the master. From the master's house. Here's my theory. He went out way too quick. We meet a God of love and compassion and justice and kindness and we get saved and we very quickly go back to living life our own way. He went out. And of course, when you leave the master's presence, you're going to find ugly people. True? The world's full of ugly people that need Jesus. 
And he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is 0.00014% of his original debt. Just to get in a comparison. 0.00, that's three noughts and a one four percent of his debt. It's not much, is it? But you know, it was like it was like a huge deal to him. That made him so angry and cross. And he laid hands on him and he took him by the throat. Pay me what you owe. And by the way, Jesus loved you. <laughs> it's like the people waving banners, placards, you know, all things against. They're shaking the world by the throat. And by the way, Jesus died for you. <laughs> We're choking the world to death. And we want them to say, yes, Jesus, but they can't talk because it's... It's odd, isn't it? So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, have patience with me, I'll pay you what you owe. A church without grace is responsible for a world without grace. He's repeating the same words that the original servant said. I say it again. A church without grace is responsible for a world without grace. But the servant would not have patience and he threw him into the prison until he should pay his debt. And we wonder why the world isn't changing because they're in a prison that we've put them in. Here's some points about this passage. Forgiveness restores relationship. Love maintains relationship. Did you hear that? Forgiveness restores relationship. So the, the original servant was restored in his relationship, but he didn't understand that it's love that maintains relationship. We are forgiven, but that's not enough. Forgiveness has a higher purpose. It's called love. And he missed that. You're not forgiven so you would leave the presence of the master and get on with life. And most Christians live that way. They get forgiven, they get saved, they get cleaned up, and they leave the presence of the master to do life. And all that will happen is you'll put other people around you in a prison of your own making. And I'll show you why later. The servant received forgiveness, but he did not stay for love. And you and I, when we receive forgiveness, we have to make a commitment that we will stay on for love. This is what Jesus is trying to teach Peter. If you leave forgiveness before you're established in love, you will be limited in how you can forgive. It'll be, you'll say these, is it seven times? Lord, I'm exhausted. I've got no more left. I can't, I can't, I can't forgive anymore. How can we be in unity, Lord? I, I've, reached, I've reached my top. And Jesus is saying not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words... There is a source greater than you that has an unlimited supply of love that calls you to forgive and forgive and forgive. You are tapping into your own reserves, Peter, because you're out on your own. The offer wasn't about debt repayment. It was an offer to be continually filled with the love of God. Salvation is not about a debt repayment so much as it is an offer 
to be filled with the love of God. Forgiveness is the access, the rightful access to come in and live in the house of love. We stop at forgiveness not knowing that it's only a doorway to a greater reality. Are you getting this? You and I are created to be filled. Norman Grubb. You may not have heard of Norman Grubb, and he's not a gardener. He was a great theologian. And if you get a chance to read his books, fabulous. It'll do your heading, but it's good. And he, he has this, he, he taught on this whole concept that we are vessels. The Apostle Paul teaches we are vessels that need to be filled. You don't get the choice as to whether you need to be filled or not. You only get one choice, what you'll be filled by. Okay? And no matter where you go in life, you will be looking to be filled. You can't stop it. This day you will be filled. Because we are created like a, a, a vacuum that, that is sucking something in. Because no man, no woman can exist without being filled. You would die. You have, you're built by God to draw. To draw. You are, God is the only person, entity, whatever you want to call our amazing Father in Heaven, who is a self for other person. He is complete in himself. He is holy. He is just. He is pure. He doesn't need anyone to be who he is. He doesn't need our love to be whole. He is whole. And out of him flows love. He is the only one. Everyone else is a vessel. And we're drawing life. This man didn't realize that. He's gone into the house of love where he could have been filled over and over and over again. He leaves empty and he goes to an empty world. So I can be filled by God who alone is complete. Ephesians 3.19 says, To know the love of God or Christ, which passes knowledge, to be filled with the fullness of God. How's that? See, the key to your ability to forgive is quite simple. To forgive, to pay a debt, you have to be filled. The problem with forgiveness is that we're trying to pay debts when we're empty. That's the problem. If you're filled, you can pay the debt. If you realize that you've got within you $20 billion and someone comes to you and they've got a need for $20,000 and you know that where you get the money just flows, $20,000 is just a drop in the ocean. But when you, get, when you receive the love of God but you don't take that, and you go out empty and you're broke, $20,000 will tip you over the edge. And the issue is not with people's attitudes and anger and resentment that trips you off. The issue is not them, it's you. You've got a love problem. And just one little tip, one look the wrong way, one, one angry comment, we've all been there, snaps us. Right? Of course you don't do that. Beautiful, lovely people. But when we've got a love deficit, we're on edge. And it's just a little thing. I didn't talk to me today, Ketch. I don't like my boss anymore. You've got a love problem. It's not them, it's you. So the first servant went out from the master's presence and he comes into contact with a world that's in debt. It's needy. It takes and it doesn't repay. It cuts you off and you let them go in front of you and you give them your parking spot and they don't even say thank you. 
At least you can say thank you. I let them go in front of me in the shopping line. And they don't even acknowledge me. So much for being a Christian. This doesn't work. The ungrateful, just take me up now, Lord, I've had enough. Because it's in love deficit. And he goes out to a world in debt, needy, draining life, cannot replenish. God so loved the world that he gave to a needy, broken world. This man claims he's owed money, but it's such a tiny sum. And why is this such an issue? As we said before, it's such an issue to him because the first servant is in debt. And when you're in debt, every cent counts. And the reason people are triggering you and upsetting you and annoying you is not just because of them. They're annoying, upsetting people, granted. But that's not the problem. You'll never get rid of annoying, upsetting, ugly people. Because they haven't yet met the master. Or else they have, but they haven't hang around. That's not your problem. Your problem is you're in debt yourself. And they're just highlighting what's going on in your heart. It's your fault. No, it's not your fault. They're a mirror to your own indebtedness. Their 20,000 debt is just highlighting to you what you don't have. The first servant is in debt. And he's left the place of love and he needs to be filled. Here's the last point. You ready? Love cancels the debt of offense. You are called to be debt busters. Verse 31. So when the fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved. And they called a meeting. And they said, this is not good. We should do something about this. We have an ugly Christian in our midst. And so they told the master all that had been done. And the master, after he had called him, said to him, You're a wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you promised you'd work hard and pay it off. No. No, it doesn't say that. It says, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Have mercy. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had compassion on you? I forgave you because I was compassionate. Yet you've twisted this and now you've gone out and someone's asked you for compassion and you've put them in a prison. His master was angry, delivered him to torturers. Until he should pay all that was due to him, so will my heavenly Father also do to you if each of you from your heart does not forgive his brother and from his sorry forgive his brother his trespasses so that proves god is very angry god won't forgive you just says it that's what the lord does that's the picture the lord paints what is jesus really saying in this passage The master here asks the servant, where is your compassion that I gave to you? Why is it not flowing out to others? That's the question. When we come back to God, Lord, you know, sister, 
you know, whatever her name is, I've got to be careful what name I use. <laughs> Sister Bullwinkle, she's really ticking me off today. Lord, I, would you please change her or take her out in Jesus' name? <laughs> and the Lord says, where is your compassion? Why isn't the love flowing? You should be able to easily, freely cover that debt with what I gave you. I gave you an endless supply of love. And you're coming back to me because somebody owes you a little bit. Someone's offended you. Where's your compassion? And here's, here's the story. If we leave the master's house of love, people become indebted to us rather than receiving from us. Someone draws from my life by offending me, by hurting me, and I become love negative. And so I seek payment from them to cover the deficit. Instead of giving love, I want retribution and justice. But if I remain in the Father's presence, there's a continual flow from his vast supply of love that will more than cover the debt that the world brings. If I leave his presence, somebody is going to make a demand on me. It's guaranteed. Somebody's going to cut me off, be ugly to me, rude to me. Somebody is going to draw from me today. Just give it time. I'm not prophesying doom over you. I'm just saying that's the world we live in. It's a debt-ridden world. And he left the house and bingo. There it is. It's just down the road. It's in the shop. Tomorrow at work, somebody is going to misunderstand you. Someone's going to be rude to you. This is not a prophecy. This is just reality. We're in a debt-ridden world. And he's saying to the servant, I gave you an overflowing reservoir of love. You didn't have to leave my house. You left too early. You went out without enough reserve in your life and somebody made a withdrawal on you and now you're ticked off with them and you've put them in a prison. But if I remain in the Father's presence and get my fill, then an ugly thought, a nasty word, somebody cutting me off, it doesn't make a dent. And I'm reminded of all the times that I get cross and narky and, you know, have to remind myself of who I am before I start pursuing someone. I had one of the kids, and I had no intention of doing it, and I don't know why they said it, but somebody cut me off, and, and, and they said to me, don't go after him. Did I have that look in my eye? <laughs> I saw a vein come out my neck. The flow of love always seeks to pay the debt in the life of another person. Did you hear that? The flow of love, all by design, seeks to pay the debt of another. God so loved the world that he... Listen to this. The Good Samaritan was moved by compassion and he paid the debt of the hurting man. Pharaoh's daughter, moved by compassion, paid the debt for Moses to grow up and live as a beloved, blessed child. Compassion always looks to pay the debt of another. Romans 13 verse 8 says, Let no debt be outstanding, 
except the continuing debt to love one another. Love pays the debt of another. At the core of forgiveness, and there's so much more we can talk about, but at the core is this. Forgiveness is there for us to access love. If we draw on the love of God continually each day, we'll have enough to pay the debts for the day. And then we come back to the master's house and we say, Lord, I've had some withdrawals today. I've had people, you know, angry or X, Y, Z, all sorts of things happen. But the good thing, Lord, is I've come back home and I've still got money in the bank. Your mercies are new every morning. So I'm ready for an overflow, top up. Lord, I'm down to $10 billion. I had 20 when I left. There's a lot of withdrawals today. Top me up again. So he fills me with his love. He reminds me of his, his affection over me, his compassion for me. I, I get a fresh glimpse of how much I owed him. And we, we have communion together. And now I'm not relying on other people to top me up. So here's the problem. If you go out from the Father's presence, you are, you'll be looking for other things, cars, jobs, all these things to top you up. They will deplete you. They can't give you life. Only the love of God can fill you up. Nothing else. Job satisfaction, the right wife, you name it. You can list all these things. They will never fill you up. The smell of a new car lasts for a day. Then you go to Taco Bill or Hungry Jack's and it's gone. <laughs> Everything about this world gives you a high for a second and then it depletes you. It's the love of the Father that fills us up, that makes us in, it's like it bulletproof to hurt, to pain, to misunderstanding. There are, there are laws that we use in the, in the art of forgiveness and forgiveness and trust are two different things. But I'm talking today about the root of forgiveness and love. Forgiveness draws us into love. The more I love, the more I can forgive and pay the debt. Do you see this? That's why Paul said, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. That's the proper way. God has acted, now we respond. God has filled us, now we can forgive. If I have to forgive first before God forgives me, I've got nowhere to go. Because forgiveness is connected to love. And without God, I've got no way to be filled. Jesus wasn't asking Peter, try harder. Jesus is the 70 times 7. And he's living in us today. He said, I, I have an unending supply. It will cause you to be able to forgive and to move forward. Got some people in your life that tick you off? Sorry about that. It happens. I don't justify their behavior. But that's not the real issue. You see, I had to deal with this when my father first left when I was 12. I had a choice to make. There was a lot of anger around the occasion, but I had to choose not to focus on forgiveness but to focus on love. Not to say, I hear people say, well, you make a decision to forgive and you go, all the best. Peter said, I did that seven times. It's not working because I keep making decisions and I keep feeling really angry. 
Your decision to forgive is not the answer. The answer is to stay in the Father's house of love. And so I would play, and I, I, this is only by God's grace because I didn't even know all this, but I just, I remember at night after my dad left, I'd put on a cassette player. For those that don't cassette players, they're things that... <laughs> and I put it on and it was scripture in song. Again, it was like Hillsong of 1980. And it would play and I would bask in, in the scriptures, in the love of God. And over a period of months, the love of God so filled my life that I didn't have any anger or resentment today. And I'm free. Amen. And I didn't put my dad in a prison and I didn't put myself in a prison. That's the thing. I didn't judge him. I didn't ask for vengeance or justice, retribution, because it was free. Because I big someone I remember at trade school, and I'm almost finished. There was a teacher there who was a Christian, and he heard my story. And he says, "How could you still go to church? How could you do that after all he's done to you?" And all I could say is, "Because Jesus loves me. My dad did a dumb thing." Good people do bad things. And I began to see that he was broken and he just needed the love of God. It was nothing personal. People do silly things. But I began to be filled with the love of God and I thought, how could I stop going to church because it's no reflection of God's heart towards me. It's just somebody broken, in pain, making a bad choice. God loves me. And the more I filled up on the love of God, the more I was able to walk in forgiveness. You're finding someone hard to forgive? Well, the key is to go back to the Father's house. Remind me, Father, of your love for me. Remind me of what you did for me. Help me to bask in I need to be filled. I, am, I, I get this sense I'm empty, Lord, because when I see these people, I'm angry inside, I'm frustrated, I'm bitter, I'm on edge. I need to be filled. It's not their problem, it's my problem. I've taken a reading of my heart today and it's low. And now, because of that, I'm really uptight and agitated and snappy. God's speaking to people today and saying to you, that person that you're angry with, yes, they may have done you wrong, but they're not your problem. Because guess what? You're going to meet another one just like them. Really? Yeah, that's why people get married five, six times. Because they don't realize that the problem's them. What's the common denominator? You. Every marriage has ended badly. Why? Because it's you. Now, that's not to put people down. We all have our issues and troubles. My point isn't to, to put people down. It's to say to you, when, when I, I'm, I'm owning this, when I'm agitated and angry and unforgiving, it's not my wife or my kids or my job or anyone else. It's me. And I take ownership. Lord, I have a love deficit. Would you fill me again? And I come out of my room a nicer person with the same people, but now I'm filled with love. Good. Forgiveness Amen. leads us to love. Amen. So why don't we pray today? Lord, we come to you like Peter, aware of our inability to love like we should, aware that there are things that are causing disunity in our life and we want to walk in your favour and your goodness, but there's turmoil in our life in areas and we, we come to you. 
And we say, Lord, we, we can't love and forgive like we should. And you alone, Jesus, are the one that is perfect. You are love. God is love. And we thank you that because we are sons and daughters, we can come and bask in your love. We can remember afresh today of the immensity of your love to us and your forgiveness over our lives. We ask that today that you would fill us with your love so we can fill others that are in debt. Fill us afresh today, Lord. Heal our hearts. Nurture our hearts. Lord, let us be debt busters, those that go and pour out love on a world desperate to be filled. We repent, Lord, where we've held unforgiveness, where we've put people in prison by our attitudes, where we've demanded things from them that they could not give us. We repent and we choose to walk in love and forgiveness. For those that have never asked Jesus into their life, he wants to pay your debt. He has paid your debt, actually. And all you need to do is receive it. You would have to earn it like the first master that said, have patience, I'll pay for it. You need to receive the unconditional gift of forgiveness, the grace of God that wipes out all your debt and makes you clean, pure, and perfect, free from accusation. If you've never received Jesus, ask him into your life today. Ask him, Lord Jesus, would you be my Lord and Savior? I receive your forgiveness. I receive the price that you paid for me. Take me out of this prison. By faith, I put my trust in you. If you pray that prayer, you will be forgiven. You will receive your forgiveness. The slate will be wiped clean and you'll be a new creation. Now, don't leave the Father's house. Bask in his love every day and be that love gift that the world so desperately needs. We release, Lord, the love of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Why don't you lift your hands right now? I release the unconditional love and acceptance and approval of my Father right now. He loves you with an everlasting love. He wants to fill every part of your life, the areas of shame, the areas of pain, the areas where you don't measure up, areas of frustration, areas where you can't seem to get a breakthrough. He wants to come and love you to wholeness and make you a love gift to this world. You thought you could never do that. You've been so on edge and so agitated. But God wants to so fill you with his love that you become a solution to the world a love solution. You begin to meet the needs of the world and lead them to the one who alone is complete. I, Lord, ask right now, fill every person with your love in Jesus' name.